Hello out there, Lucy Fenwick here, and I am happy to welcome you back into the Emberverse. I hope you've been well since our last chat. If you're new here, feel free to snoop around a bit, and I might recommend starting with episode one. Now please, make yourself cosy, and I will fill you in on all that has recently transpired. you in much better spirits than the last time we spoke. Not only have I been able to sleep soundly once again, but the dreams have stopped completely. I can't begin to express how relieved I feel. But I do wonder what made them stop. Was it just a matter of talking with you about them? Or was it something else? When I first told you about the dreams, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do if I had to watch all of that unfold one more time. And thankfully, I haven't had to find out. After we spoke, I did just as I had planned. I ate a light breakfast of fruit and meat, collected my things and thoughts, and made my way to the trader's market. It is near the docks, in a much less densely populated part of Kesselton. The buildings there are made of a lighter coloured stone, nearly yellow, and are some of the oldest buildings in the city. The whole feeling in that part of the city is different. Lighter? Brighter? I'm not sure if it's because it is so old, although the energy feels the opposite of old and dusty, or if it is because it is so permeated with trader magic. I don't know all the ins and outs of the trader's magic, but I do know that, in general, their magic is a positive force, lending itself to lifting people's moods and bringing about feelings of joy and relaxation. It is one reason their shows are so widely renowned, and one reason I am very much looking forward to the carnival they are putting on very soon. Anyway, I made my way to the market, and began making my way to Diara's stall. The little stalls are all divided by waist-high stone walls, and they vary in size. Above the short walls, they have wooden posts reaching up to normal ceiling height, before joining with two or three beams that span the stall. Each vendor hangs their own cloth covering on their booth, if they feel inclined, and some choose to put up cloth partitions between them and their neighbours as well. Everything is disjointed and eclectic, but in the very best way. In its mismatching, it somehow all fits together. The vendors all have the same stalls every day. Walking among them, their banter and chatter adds a very laid-back feel. You can find everything you need at the market, from produce and meat fresh from the source, to art and home decor. My favourite part, if I truly had to choose one, is the variety of food vendors. You can find meals from so many different places. Besides that, there's herbs, spices, clothes, trinkets, oddities, furniture, jewellery. There is a vendor for everything that the tinkerers don't care so much about. Meaning, the only things you won't find are those related to cybernetics, and, I've come to understand, books. The Tinkerers offer so many options on that front, I don't think there's anything you can't find in Kesselton already. And because of the obsession over these things, the other necessities of life would be completely forgotten if it weren't for all the non-Tinkerers that choose to live here. I have to say, I am very happy that the traders started the market on Teslas all those cycles ago, because without it, I just don't know how comfortable life would be here. 
Again, though, I'm getting off track. As I wandered the first few stalls of the market, I felt two things. One being a sense of reinvigoration. The smells of the market are intense, in a good way, and they worked well to energize me. The other thing I felt was someone's eyes on me. It didn't take me long to find Rafa in the crowd, since there aren't many formlings wandering around. I do wonder if that is why he always looks the same to me, because he knows that I can find him regardless of the form he takes. At first, I acted like I didn't know he was there. I was scared he would ask me where I'd been the last few days, and I wasn't sure I wanted to explain what had been going on. As I continued to walk, and he continued to follow, it just felt too awkward to keep pretending like I didn't know he was there. At the end of the aisle, I stopped and turned around, locking my eyes where I knew he was hiding in the crowd. I waited until he was forced to come forward. He smiled somewhat sheepishly when he finally made eye contact. Part of me wanted to be upset that he was following me, but another part of me was somewhat comforted in knowing I wasn't truly alone, even if it was because my father doesn't trust me. The truth is, I'm happy to have met Rafa, regardless of the circumstances. And while I didn't want to explain the whole dream to him, I was at least awake enough now to be able to separate the Rafa in the dream from the one standing across the aisle from me. He crossed the way to join me, and I had to ask, Would it be easier if I just started informing you of my plans ahead of time so you can just join me like a normal person? He barked out a laugh before he answered. That would take some of the awkwardness out of it now, wouldn't it? I couldn't help but smile at the fact that he was acknowledging that the whole situation had become somewhat awkward now that I know that my father pays him to follow me around and keep me out of trouble. It wasn't long before the dreaded question came out. As I expected, he asked why I hadn't been out the last couple of days. I knew he would notice. I'd been out every day since I'd come to Kesselton, for one reason or another, and he had been watching all of it. A well-timed yawn came along, and all I said was that I had a really horrible couple nights of sleep. He didn't respond, and I tried to quickly change the subject without him noticing. I started asking questions about the market, since he'd said he lived on Teslas for the most part, and he knew more than I expected him to. We chatted as we walked, settling into a casual pace with both. I took my time, stopping to look at many of the booths that I hadn't stopped at on my other trips to the market. I was especially captivated by a stall selling ember stones. Of course, because they can't be handled with bare skin, the market trinket-style ones are encased in glass, either a sphere, a pyramid, or a column with a point at the top. They are beautiful. The shifting colors threaten to put you in a trance if you look at them for too long, even more so when you're overly tired. Upon leaving many of the stalls, Rafa would tell me something he shouldn't know about the vendor or someone close to them. More than once I asked how he knew these things, but he never answered with anything other than one of his ridiculous winks. Finally, Diara's stall came into view, and I made my way to her a little quicker than I normally would have. The customer that was with her left just as we approached her stall. Diara sells teas, and these beautiful floral pictures that are etched into metal canvases. A combination I would never have thought to put together, but from what I hear, she does very well with both. 
Rafa stepped to one side of the stall while I went to the small round table that Diara uses as a counter. She gave me a hug before holding me at arm's length. You look terrible, she said to me in a kind way. Yes. I eyed Rafa over my shoulder, not wanting him to hear too much, but certain there was no real way around it. I haven't slept much the last couple of nights. I was actually hoping you might be able to help me with that. She studied me for a few moments before she let go of my shoulders with a thoughtful look in her eyes. Who's your friend, Lucy? She asked as she pulled a wooden box from a drawer beneath the largest floral etching she had on display. Diara, this is Rafa. Rafa, this is Diara. Rafa looked up, giving a small two-fingered wave to Diara. Rafa works for my father, I added, not wanting her to get the wrong idea about why we were out together, but also not wanting to share what my father actually pays him to do. She eyed the back of him once he turned back to the canvases he looked at, giving me a pointed look. Diara knew there was more to the story than I was sharing, but she wasn't going to say anything until we had a chance to talk elsewhere. I love Diara. She handed me a small cloth bag tied with a purple string. Grasping my hands, she said in a barely audible voice, A cup of this tea before bed, and I mean right before bed, will stop the dreams. I whispered back my thanks and attempted to pay her for the tea, but she wouldn't take my payment. I'll find a way to sneak it to her later, back at Madame Dufresne. Rafa had kept his distance the entire time we'd been in the stall, out of respect for my privacy or something else I wasn't sure. I decided to ask him about it as we made our way to a food cart for a small mid-morning snack. An apple sticky bun, if you are curious. He said he kept his distance so I could talk with my friend about whatever was troubling me in private. But something about his delivery made me think that was only part of the story. Diara has a way of knowing things she shouldn't. It's part of her trade of magic, as far as I can tell. She's incredibly perceptive almost to the point of intrusion, I've noticed when she's talked with other residents of Madame de Vries. She is most likely a highly skilled reader, and I wonder if Rafa doesn't want her reading him. I was also curious if he had any tidbits of information on Diara, like he had the other vendors. Not because I wanted to know what it was, but because I was curious how quickly he was able to acquire his information, since she hasn't been on Tessalus for very long. He agreed saying that Diara hadn't been on Kesselton nearly long enough for him to uncover any of her secrets. This assumes she has any, and I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't. Rafa and I wandered the rest of the market as we had the first bit, stopping to look at whatever caught our fancy and chatting about the vendors. I have not laughed that hard in a long time. My cheeks hurt by the time Rafa saw me back to the main street. He has been a most unexpected surprise. Truly. And while I am still cautious of the fact that he is probably reporting everything I say and do to my father, I feel that we at least enjoy each other's company. I do hope you are in good spirits today. Until we chat again, look up at the stars, take a deep breath, and remember that I, for one, am thankful you are out there. Lucy Fenwick, signing off.
Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie Dawn, author and voice of Into the Emberverse. If you enjoyed today's installment, please consider buying Lucy a cup of coffee through Ko-fi. Link in the show notes below or at intotheemberverse.com. Every cup helps Lucy pay for her room at Madame Dufries and also keeps her adventures advertisement-free. New episodes of Into the Emberverse release every other Wednesday, so make sure you hit that follow button and they'll be saved for you. If you were intrigued by what you heard today, please share this episode on social media. Every share is like a little hug and is appreciated more than you realize. For more of Lucy and other Emberverse stories, you can find all of our socials in the show notes below. Until we chat again, take care of one another.